Welcome to the very first episode of That's Pretty Cool. That's a podcast created by a mother and son duo in Portland, Oregon. I am the mom, Bija. And I am the son, Jasper. And we are going to talk to you about all of the cool, interesting, fascinating, unique, fun things that we find in this city. And our first episode is all about Halloween. I know it's November, but this holiday can live all year long because it's awesome. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow on whatever platform you're listening to this on. That's right. Since we're just getting started, share this. Um, you can also find us on Instagram under That's Pretty Cool Podcast. If you've got an idea for a show or you want to share some feedback, you can email us at That's Pretty Cool Podcast at gmail.com. We're always open to new ideas or collaborations. So if you're listening and you're like, hey, man, I've got something that's super cool and interesting, hit us up. We're into it. Um, so... Most of our episodes are going to involve us heading out into the streets, interviewing people. You'll hear stuff in the background. You'll hear cars and birds and all kinds of fun noises. And the other part happens in our living room in our tiny apartment in Northwest Portland, where we have two rambunctious cats. Uh, named Pickle and Arthur. Right now, I'm pretty sure you can hear Pickle in the background, digging through some stuff and being a weirdo, as he is known to do. In this episode, we're going to meet some really cool people. One of them is Brooke Rice. Um, he carves 200 pumpkins every year and doesn't stop. He only stops for uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving. It's pretty amazing. We've got some cool pictures up on our Instagram so that you can see it. But we're going to talk to him. He opened his home to us, gave us a tour. There was a scout troop there, so you're going to hear some stuff from them too. But it's pretty phenomenal. I love it when there's someone that has this creative vision, a passion, and they just go for it. First off, we're uh, joining a tour of scouts that were being guided through his home, and he's showing us how to carve a pumpkin. Yeah, and... He also gave us one of his pumpkins. It's right. The very pumpkin that he's carving in this segment is the one that he gave us. It's pretty cool. So sit back, listen, and enjoy the ride. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Just thinking about it. That's pretty cool. I consider myself an intermediate at this. Um, I, I'm kind of focusing on detailed cut through right now. Next year, I'm going to focus more on improving my shading skills, and that's why the Funkins are good for shading. The um, the other style, the Jemmies, are better for cut through patterns, Got it. and that's why I have so many Jemmies. Okay. But um, I could I could kind of show you, and this will only take me a minute or so, but. So this is the pattern that's glued on using the white glue. All you do is just carve straight through the pattern. That's that key saw you said? And this is the keyhole saw. Keyhole saw. Yeah, and they sell variations of these, but you know what, small kitchen knives, even those work pretty well. It just depends on how like small, like those, those little eye holes. These work really good for those because it's a thin blade. You can maneuver it really easily. Uh, and 
this. Okay. We'll just, just stand back a bit. Oh, they're all right. <laughs> you can see it's. You can hold it a, a number of ways. I like to sort of paw at it. After a while, your hand begins to get really sore, and it's good to switch up the grip a little bit. It's a nice size relative to the kits that you have. It seems. Yeah. So when I first started doing this, and I lived in Boise, um, I used to do 20 of these per year, and because these rot, I had to do them all in about a week's time. <laughs> My hand was really sore after that week, and the um, pumpkins would sometimes start falling, and you know they would cave into themselves. But if you do carve like a little bit, uh, like a week to 10 days before Halloween and you still want to keep your pumpkin nice, all you have to do is take a little bit of bleach water, like uh, fill up a bathtub, maybe put a cap full or two, and let your pumpkin soak overnight and it'll replenish itself oh. all, it won't dry out it will um, bounce back at least for a few more days. And That's you can cool. do this probably yeah. two or three times uh, before it really starts to turn to mush. After it turns to mush, do you guys know? <laughs> I don't think I'll get them, but. <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Rice, we yeah. had we did pumpkins one time for scouts, uh -huh. and I had I've 15 carved, scouts and 15 actual knives, and it was the most harrowing night of my entire existence. Yeah, I had yeah. a full afro before that night, and now <laughs> you see what I have today. And so I like I like this idea a lot better. The saws are nicer because one, they're the keyhole saws. They're much easier to maneuver than any steak knife or kitchen knife that you have. And they're predictable in when in the, the motion, the action, there's a bit of resistance to it and it's it's um, it's very linear when you cut it. It doesn't, unlike a, a kitchen knife, when you stick it in, if you put a little too much pressure on it, it goes quickly, and that's when you get in trouble, especially if you have another finger in the way. <laughs> so how do you remove the paper? Just I'll show you. Excellent. So I'm almost done here. I think I have maybe two more cuts. Okay. So with the um, with the foam pumpkins, after you're done cutting everything out, um, you just soak them in water for maybe 10 or 20 minutes, and then you scrape them off with your fingernail. With real pumpkins, they're pre-moistened. They already have. Um, they already have juices and liquids in them, so... Oh, that's cool. It, it comes right off. 
you don't have to do anything special to it. That's awesome. So you just do that, and then maybe peel off a little bit of the glue on the outside. Hey, Lucy, why don't you get down so that people can see? Thank you. And is that a vampire? It's a vampire, yeah. And so there you go. Just wow. Like, Let me see. Wow. Please. I want to see. Yes. So the key is to do the hole at the bottom instead of the top, right? As to what? The, you did oh. the hole at the bottom. The uh, reason I do the bottom is, um, well, there are a couple of reasons. One, the stems give the pumpkin character. No two stems are alike. And I love keeping the stem intact. So uh, the other reason is, um, with with the bottom ones, you use electric lights. You can't use uh, candles because uh, otherwise it'll cook the top. So it, it just depends on what you want to do with them. But I'll I'll bring this in the other room and I'll show you uh, how it lights up. So wow, it, cool. it keeps a little better because it's not exposed to heat. Uh, so after you stick an electric light, it, it'll keep it cool and it won't blow out. It won't, if it gets rained on, they're, they're waterproof, so you won't, um, uh, nothing will happen to them. So you can keep them outside and, and they'll still stay lit. Nice. So that was really interesting that we learned how to carve pumpkins. The, t the technique works for a real pumpkin and it works for a foam pumpkin. Yeah. Now we're going to sit down with Brooke in his kitchen and Jasper is going to ask some really good questions and we'll learn some more of the details. Yeah. Um, can you tell us your name and a little bit about what you do? Yeah, my name is Brooke Rice, and um, I created the, the pumpkin display at West Lynn. This is the second year that I've really gotten serious about it. I've been doing it for about three years now. I've been carving pumpkins for six years. Uh, the first year I did this, I had about probably... Um, 50 or 60 pumpkins and I just invited the neighbors over and it was just for one night but I had about 60 people show up wow. last year I um, I was laid off and I had a part-time job so I wasn't completely unemployed but I still had more time than I wanted so I decided to create something for myself and also to keep my mind off um, you know other things the stress that goes along with being um, underemployed and this was something that I I could do for myself and keep it and it, it just it gave me so many things it it gave me a way to express my creativity it gave me a way to keep my mind off um, other things and it also um, with the Northwest Haunters Association gave me a social outlet as well. Where do you get all the design ideas? Do you do all the carving yourself? Well, yeah, you so the design ideas, I um, there are a couple of pumpkin pattern sites. Two of them uh, off the top of my head are zombiepumpkins.com and stonykins.com. And these, these sites have uh, literally thousands of designs, maybe maybe not thousands, but several hundred designs. And if you go on the internet and you just do a search for pumpkin patterns, you'll get a gazillion results, and you'll see a whole bunch of different things. But as I as I got better, I sort of 
became a little more particular, so I also use Instagram to uh, get some of my ideas as well. What tools do you use? For the foam pumpkins, I use a Dremel tool and I use a hot knife. And these are tools that you can get at a hardware store or at a craft store like Michael's or Joanne's. For the, um, the real pumpkins, I like to use what's called a keyhole saw. And that one I found on zombiepumpkins.com, but you can also get them, I think, at hardware stores. Cool. What's a hot knife? I've also heard it called oh. a... Um, a woodworker's etching tool okay. or something so looks like a exacto knife it's it's a combination between an exacto knife and a soldering iron so this gets heated up it gets super hot and this for the foam pumpkins it slices right through and literally like butter it carves it like butter it leaves a super super clean line um, the downside to this one is that it's not as maneuverable as a um, as a Dremel tool and I could show you the Dremel tool that's hanging out there but it has a really tiny bit and it cuts very similar to a knife but the, the lines aren't quite as sharp or clean as the exacto ones are gotcha. that's really cool where do you get all the pumpkins from I get them from craft stores like Michael's or Joann's or Home Depot. Uh, usually in July or August, they'll start to bring them in, and I'm. You do that. <laughs> I also get them, I also get them on sale after Halloween. They'll they'll just get rid of them. Like last year, I must have purchased. 50 or 60 pumpkins. So you got like shopping carts of pumpkins. I had shopping carts of pumpkins <laughs> and I fill up my my little car almost entirely and I, <laughs> and I bring them home, yeah. That's pretty good. Where do you keep the pumpkins um, in the I off have, season? Yeah, I could kind of show you my main area. So. This isn't going to show up on a podcast. Okay. This is. I'm able to keep about half my display in here. Oh. And what I do is I. Oh wow! Okay. It's it's a large. A it's a large closet, and I'm able to stack them on top of each other using the cardboard. So I'll, I'll put down a row, and then I'll put cardboard on top of that, gotcha. and I'll just stack them, and they'll go all the way up to the very top. Until you open the door. Yeah. <laughs> Until they start falling. And then I also store them in the bird room. Cool. And closets and the laundry room. <laughs> 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 yeah. What's your all-time favorite design? My all-time favorite design is the Oingo Boingo pumpkin that I carved, and that one took me so much time, and it was so detailed. What's funny is when I first carved it, I didn't like it because it was just a single color. It was bland. It didn't, and, and for me, it didn't express to me what Oingo Boingo was all about. And if you've ever, you probably, you're probably too young for it. Your mom's probably too young for her too. But. Child of 80s. <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> I remember Oingo Boingo. Okay. <laughs> So their their music is very lively. It's very um, it's very punchy. It's very vibrant. And when I saw the pumpkin that I carved, I didn't like it because it was so bland and flat. 
So I decided to throw a coat of paint on it and I put it under a UV light, which I have hanging up here. So this is my painting station. Oh, nice. And so when I'm carving a pumpkin, I'll sit in this chair and I'll just paint the ones that I carved out. You can see what you're working with. And that one, yeah. And when I finished that one, it was it was a breakthrough for me. It just, it blew my mind and I posted it online. No one had ever done anything like that before. Nice. And I got so much attention and positive feedback and that one pumpkin turned into that whole ball of pumpkins. <laughs> I enjoyed doing it so much. <laughs> That's really awesome. That's cool when you have that defining creative moment. <laughs> yeah. This is the one. I don't get them very often, but when I do, it's like I, I, I want to grab onto them. I want to save them and I want to continue doing it. <laughs> nice. What happens to all the pumpkins after Halloween? Do you like keep them? They go into storage, the real ones. Um, sometimes the local uh, farms will have uh, a day where people bring in all of their old jack-o'-lanterns and they recompost them. They'll, they'll take the pumpkins and they'll uh, throw them back into the fields so mm -hmm. that they can rot and do what nature intended, which is to replenish the soil with nutrients and and stuff like that. Me, I'm kind of lazy, so I put it into the, uh, it's the, what do you call it, bin? The green bin? The green bin, yeah. I'll, I'll put them in the green bin. Um, there's a lady also in West Lynn that has goats and animals that she loves to feed the pumpkins to, so this year I think Excuse me. This year I'll probably bring them to her so her animals can feed off the pumpkins. Cool. How many real pumpkins do you have compared to the foam ones? When I first started, I, um, I tried to carve 20, and now because of time limitations, I can do maybe 10 or so. And, and they're simpler. They're not as complex as the ones I did before because I just don't have the time to spend. And the ones that I do have, they see the three large ones. Mm -hmm. I'll, um, I take a roll of toilet paper and I soak it with kerosene and I light them on fire and three or four foot flames will, will pop out of their heads. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's impressive. The real ones are good for that because <laughs> it's like fire coming out of the face of the jack-o'-lantern. It's, wow. it's amazing when it, it's done yeah so i'm gonna do that again this year that's so cool you definitely <laughs> have to come back and see that i've never heard of it <laughs> <laughs> they have uh youtube videos of that stuff too you'll be able to see what they do and that's kind of where i got that idea from as well like my, my father-in-law he was here last year for halloween and he went crazy he's like that thing needs more fire it needs more lighter fluid it needs more <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> he would he would squirt all this kerosene and, and lighter fluid on it and just create a screaming flaming jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mostly use electric LED lights or I'll use incandescent Christmas lights. Uh, I, I I'm not opposed to using candles. I love candles because it's it's more natural. It's more. It brings me back to childhood when that's all they had. And it, um, I also use little tea lights as well. But 
practically they're not as good as the electric ones because they'll blow out or they'll get rained on, especially here. And the, um, they won't last, and you always have to watch out for them. They may start a fire, so... <laughs> That was so cool. Um, so we went into his garage, and it had these pumpkins that were painted in neon paint. So when you put a black light over them, they were neon. It was so cool. Big special thank you to Brooke for opening up his home and showing us his fantastic garage filled with amazing pumpkins, fog machines, laser lights, music, spectacular, spectacular show. If you have a chance to get out to West Lynn next Halloween, highly recommend it. You can also find him online, and I think it's uh, West Lynn Pumpkins. Uh, we'll have the link in our Instagram so that yeah. you can find it. Um, also, really huge thank you for giving us a jack-o'-lantern. That was super special yeah. and really, really awesome. Um, just because it's the yeah. fanciest pumpkin I think we've ever had. Yeah, sadly, didn't make it to Halloween. It did not, but that's okay. It looked good out there while it lasted. Um, next up, we have a ghost tour. Yeah, ghost tour. We're going to talk to Marina Martinez of Hawthorne Ghost Tours over in Southeast Portland. Jasper, do you believe in ghosts? Yeah, yeah, I do. Have you ever seen a ghost? No, no. No, I haven't. Well, my favorite ghost story is all about <laughs> Pickles being really annoying right now. I don't know if you can hear that, but he's like walking all over the table We're and like trying to play with stuff. And he's just being a cat. So he's a, this is the joy of recording at home, right? Yeah. With, with an annoying cat. Anyway, um, my favorite ghost story is a dog ghost story. I never thought about animals as ghosts before, but I guess it could happen. Yeah. So apparently over by Reed College, there's this little trailer that um, you can rent like to live in, not for Airbnb or whatever. But this woman, the student, rented it. And the first week she lived there, it was totally fine. Nothing weird or out of the ordinary happened. And then the second week she was there, she started to hear these weird sounds like, whining and howling outside the door and she was like oh it's some injured animal um and then so she heard it one night it really spooked her out and the next morning she went to look for the animal and she couldn't see anything the following night she heard the sound again it was like this howling and whining and it was getting louder and more intense and 
she couldn't see anything. Third night, it got really loud. Like, it shook the whole trailer, filled the whole trailer. And she was like, nope, not cool, terrifying. She bolted out of there and went and stayed with some friends for like a week or two. And then she decided to go back to her cabin, figuring it must have been a, a part of her imagination, whatever. And um, her first night back, she's in the trailer. And all of a sudden, she hears this like howling and whining like an injured dog. And, and it gets louder and louder and louder. And she like goes into her tiny bed like little bed and tries to hide to stay away from it but it's shaking and filling the house and then the scratching starts happening at the door and it gets louder and louder and louder and finally she sees this like ghostly apparition of a dog like burst through her front door and she's like nope this is terrifying not gonna do it and she like leaves and never comes back and she calls her landlord and she's like what the heck's going on and the landlord said well the tenant before you was this woman that wasn't doing so well and she had a pet dog and she actually she committed suicide she filled her she backed her car up to the trailer and put the exhaust through the window and she basically like asphyxiated and she had a pet dog that was tied up outside and he was trying to like scratch at the door and break through the door to save her and he managed to get through but he succumbed to the fumes too and they both died there and he's still there trying to wake her up and protect her and I was like oh that's so sad and spooky that'd be really terrifying to have a ghost dog burst through your door but on that note yeah uh, what is your favorite part about Halloween? Building the costume. What were, what was your costume this year? It was an alien abduction, like an alien behind me, carrying me away. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Did you get lots of candy? Yeah, I got like three and a half pounds. Phew, man, three and a half pounds of well, sugar. <laughs> well, literally, we waited. <laughs> I know, three and a half pounds. That's a lot of candy. Um, cool. So, right now, we've got an interview with Marina, and then some fun snippets and stories from the ghost tour, where I get to talk to a ghost. Well, I didn't actually talk to the ghost. The other people on the tour talked to the ghost, because I was holding the recording equipment. But don't get too weirded out. It's not too spooky. I promise. Just thinking about it. That's pretty cool. My name is Marina Martinez Bayman, and I own the Hawthorne Ghost Tour. And I'm also the head guide of the Ghost Tour, and actually currently our only guide. I've had other guides in the past, but right now I'm the only one. Um, what's your favorite ghost story? Oh my gosh, okay, my favorite ghost story is um, the story of the white, the lady in white. Not only because the story of the Lady of White in White is like an American folk tale, and the story usually goes, you know, and every town has their own version of the Lady in White tale, where, you know, this person is driving on a highway and they see this lady in white trying to hitch a ride because her car is broken and she's got this old car and it's really cool looking. And, you know, they give her a ride to this house and she says, oh my God, thank you so much. You know, I'm home. And she, you know, leaves the car and runs up the door. And it's not until the person gets back to their own house that they realize that she left like a handbag or a compact or a sweater or something in the car. And so they go back to the house that they had dropped her off at the night before and it's all ramshackle and they either find out that, you know, there's this terrible tragedy or, um, you know, 
that uh, that was like their daughter and she died in 1956 in a car accident or something or that the lady in white does something to prevent an, a motorist from getting in a car accident that she got into like in the sort of contiguous United States because we have such a car culture the lady in white is this like morphing folktale that goes everywhere except that there is a story there's a lady in white story in Hawaii too but the lady in white story in Hawaii has actually come from the traditional Hawaiian folktales and so the lady in white in Hawaii isn't just some like friendly ghost she's the goddess um, I can't remember her name but she's a Hawaiian goddess. She's the goddess of Hawaii. And if you don't give her a ride, if she looks, if she tries to get a, a, a hitch from you or whatever, she'll just kill you. Because <laughs> you're supposed to pay tribute by, by transporting her. So, yeah, that's why I love The Lady in White because it's kind of a universal American tale. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So is there, <laughs> I always say that. So is there a Portland version? Of The Lady in White? Yeah. I don't know, actually. I have never come across a specifically Portland Lady in White tale. Uh, there is one from where I grew up in, uh, in California, in, Pas or in Altadena, which is the town that sits not just sort of like north of Pasadena, but on a hill. Mm -hmm. And the Lady in White story in Pasadena is that if you go to the top of Lake Street, which is this really steep street, um, and you go to a certain part of Lake Street and you put your car in idle, it won't go, it looks like it's supposed to go down the hill. Your car is supposed to roll down the hill and it won't. And um, if you put talcum powder, they say on your, your um, what's that part of the car, the front part of the car? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, um, you'll see handprints in the talcum powder because it's not a lady in white, but it's a bunch of children, teenagers, who are pushing your car back uphill because their car lost control. They were like parking at the top of the hill to like have a good time mm -hmm. and their car's brakes failed and they went hurtling down the hill and all died. So it's like them pushing your car so you won't um, go down the hill. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, do you only do tours about around Halloween? Uh, sort of. So I start my tours in June. So I guess no, the answer is no. <laughs> I start the tours on the first weekend in June. And then I go until right before Halloween. And then the Saturday before Halloween is my last tour of the season. So I don't tour on Halloween because it's my favorite. Cool. And so you only do them in Hawthorne or do you do tours in other parts of town too? I only do them in Hawthorne. I started, when I first started, um... I wanted to do a, a tour of ground control, and I did for a while, but it was just really hard uh, to coordinate with everything. We would have to do the tour before they opened, and so then they would have to sort of open early, and the staff was like, this is really difficult, and then of course it's really, really loud in there. Yeah. And at the time they hadn't expanded, so it was also really cramped. So the tours yeah. were, um, right. were fairly popular, but it was just really, really difficult. Cool. I didn't even know there was one in Ground Control. So was that a ghost tour as well? Sort of. There were a couple of ghost stories because Ground Control is haunted. So oh, wow. I took advantage. Didn't know that. <laughs> I my uncle actually has a ghost dog experience. Whoa! It's hilarious. <laughs> uh, so my uncle, um, our family not so big on modesty. So my uncle was uh, on the toilet, <laughs> and he had the door open, and uh, and he was talking to his partner who was in the kitchen. And, uh, and then, you know, their house had this big hallway that ended, you know, you can't get out of the house from that hallway. Mm -hmm. 
and that's where the bathroom was. And he's sitting there, and he sees three dogs run past him. They only have two dogs. And so he yells to her in the kitchen. He's like, uh, babe, there's an extra dog in our house. And she told him, there's no dogs in our house at all. They're in the yard. And he goes, no, all the dogs just ran past me, and there's an extra one. And there were no, there, it was just a, a ghost dog stampede. Wow, weird. <laughs> oh, that's so trippy. I've never, I never thought about animals as ghosts before until I read that story. I was like, that's kind of creepy. <laughs> that is. Well, it's like, for a while we didn't have a cat. And so every single sound that happened in the night, I'm just so used to being like, oh, that's the cat. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't have a cat right now. <laughs> I feel like I'm really selling people um, a universe and like an experience and it's this sort of like transformative time to go on a walking tour and hear stories and sort of think back to times before or different worlds. And it's just so fulfilling for me to do this job um, that I really love it. And I got here by accident, actually. I <laughs> didn't intend to be a tour guide, but I had public speaking experience because of my day job. And I was working here in Portland, and I owned my own company, and I was working by myself a lot. And I was really deprived of people. So I went on Craigslist, and I got a gig doing tour guide stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I loved it so much that a couple years in, the boss of the company called me, and he told me that his, um, his financial uh, advisor guy had stolen all their money, oh. which is terrible. Um, but he said, we're going to have to turn, we're going to have to close the tour down because they owned a ton of tours. They had tours all over the world. Oh, wow. And I was like, I don't want that. So, so he, um, because of the theft, I was owed back pay. And so I just said, well, what if I get in contact with the volunteer lawyers for the arts and I have them draw us up a transfer of intellectual property and copyright and just the Portland tour comes into my ownership and then I we write up a contract where I wipe the debt. And so then that happened and, and I, ever since I've just owned this tour and really loved it. That's really awesome. It's a really, like, it feels like a really super Portland story too. That's pretty cool. So these are dowsing rods. This is actually some of the oldest technology in human history. You see, back when human beings were just nomadic tribes wandering from desert to desert across the planet, these things, well, they were made out of wood back then, but people would use these things to find running water underground so that the tribe could survive from location to location. And of course, this is because water itself creates an electromagnetic field. Water molecules are dipolar in nature. That means on one side they're negatively charged, and on the other side they're positively charged. And when they get together, that creates a magnetic field. As we all know, ghost energy is also magnetic in nature, which is why this simple ancient tool works on both water and ghosts. So, how you use these guys is you stand with your feet firmly planted about a foot apart. You bend your knees slightly, and then you make sure that any cuffs you have are away from the handle so it doesn't get caught in your clothing, which would give you a false read. You keep your hands on the plastic part, not the metal, and then you keep the rods parallel to the ground, but not parallel to each other. You want them to be able to move 
uh, freely through the air. And your first question is going to be, spirits, are you here? And if you have a spirit on your hands, the rods will cross like they just did. And then you can ask your spirit yes and no questions. Cross like this is yes, apart is no. So you can ask your spirit, spirit, do you like beer? No, my spirit does not like beer. So you can ask your spirit, spirit, do you like whiskey? Yes, my spirit does like whiskey. <laughs> so, who wants to go first? Okay. <laughs> so remember to keep your feet one foot apart, bend your knees slightly. We ask everybody to bend their knees, uh, not for any sort of supernatural reason, but because sometimes when you lock your knees, you can pass out, and that's the wrong kind of fun. So. Um, Are they about this far apart? Yep, that works. Uh, okay. And then just a little bit, do this. Oh, that's yeah. Right. Okay. And then Oop. your first question <laughs> is Spirit, are you here? So that's an X, so yes. Yes, your spirit is here. Okay. So now you can ask your spirit any yes, no question you want. Spirit, are you from Portland, Oregon? Looks like yes. Does anyone got a question? Spirit, do you like curly hair? Spirit, do you like curly hair? Spirit was like, I don't know if I want to admit this right now. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Spirit, do you like dogs? No, the spirit does not like dogs. <laughs> oh no. Spirit, are you a cat person? <laughs> Incredible revelation from the other side. Spirits <laughs> like cats. <laughs> I got some other questions. Scott? Spirit, do you like coffee? Spirit, do you like coffee? What? No. Oh, and you're an Oregonian? The spirit doesn't like coffee. Oh. Spirit, do you like yerba mate? Spirit, do you like y whatever she just said? <laughs> <laughs> Spirit, were you murdered? Spirit, were you murdered? No. Wait, yeah, a little bit. Kind of oh, really. no, there you go. No. If we're being honest, no, it was not murder. Oh. <laughs> the waffling. The what? The what? It's like, I don't know, kind of. It was murdered a little bit, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> just a tiny bit. Yes. Yeah, just oh, like a yeah. tiny bit murdered. <laughs> <laughs> Was it a car accident? Oh, that was a definite no. Definitely not a car accident. Was it a horse and buggy accident? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. There you go, yeah. Horse this and buggy accident. Sad hipster spirit was killed by a horse and buggy. <laughs> That's pretty was spooky and
pretty cool. It really was. Thank you so much for listening to our very first episode all about Halloween. Our next episode coming up is... The Chapman Swifts. That one's going to be super cool because, Jasper, what school do you go to? Chapman. Right. You're a Swift. So we, we go to the Audubon Society and talk to a really cool scientist. We talk to some volunteers. We learn a lot of neat facts about the Swifts. It's going to be fun. So tune in on whatever platform you prefer. Um, and rate us on what you're listening to us on. Yeah. Leave a review. That stuff's good. It helps. Um, special thanks to the Bushrods. Those are the people who made the song. Thank you for listening to the episode. I'm Bija. I'm Jasper. And that's pretty cool. Pretty cool